Sam Hunt. You might not know his music. He's got a lot of hits, but you might not respect what he's doing in country music, or maybe you do. We talk about how he's as much an R&B artist as he is a country artist. We debate his musical style and its impact on country as a genre. So stick around and let's talk some Sam Hunt. I'm tired of getting drunk, tired of being free, tired of seeing pictures I I don't want to see. Girl, you're everywhere, everywhere but behind me. I bet breaking up was easy in the 90s. No matter what the decade, I doubt you'd want to break up with Sounds Good to Us. I'm Gregory Hill. And I'm Jordan Stone. This is a podcast where two friends of over 20 years pick one album each week and talk about why it's awesome to us, even in the outside chance that you don't think it's awesome. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Jordan, let's get started with today's album. This one goes 15 and a 30. It ain't in no hurry. It's Southside by Sam Hunt. Jordan, get us started. This is Southside by Sam Hunt, his second studio album. It was released on April 3rd of 2020 at the start of the world's worst global pandemic in 100 plus years. Heard of it? Not the best timing, but it was highly, highly anticipated because it was six years of a gap between his debut album and Southside, which as a fan was very frustrating to have to wait that long, which we will talk about later in the episode. Greg, give us some general information about the album. Sam Hunt was 35 years old when this album was released, same age as Jordan and I. The genre, you could say it's country, certainly. You could you could call it country pop. You might even call it R&B or rap, question mark. The length is 39 minutes and one second. There's 12 tracks on this album. It was released by the label MCA Nashville and produced by Zach Crowell and Luke Laird. Those producer nerds out there would recognize Zach Crowell's credits from House Party with Sam Hunt. Great song. He also worked with Carrie Underwood, Luke Bryan, Flora Georgia Line, and then Luke Laird, best known for 20 number one singles, including Eric Church's Drink in My Hand, Kenny Chesney's American Kids, and John Party's Head Over Boots. All fantastic. Also produced some songs with Tim McGraw, Casey Musgraves. Shout out to an episode we've done here on Casey Musgraves and John Legend. Which was interesting to me, Jordan, because as we'll talk about in this album, you hear a lot of R&B influence. Yep. Everyone else from both Luke Laird and Zach Crowell tended more country, but that John Legend might be interesting for us to talk about here later. There were six singles on this album, Body Like a Back Road, Downtown's Dead, Kin Folks, Hard to Forget, and Breaking Up Was Easy in the 90s. We're going to talk about all of those today. And then on Spotify's popular top five for Sam Hunt, Three of the top five are from this album, Body Like a Back Road, 594 million streams, Breaking Up Was Easy in the 90s, 22 million, and then Hard to Forget at 74 million. I'm going to give you some moods here, Jordan. Bittersweet, sentimental, intimate, mm -hmm, slick, and laid back. Let's get into some sales. Southside debuted at number five on the U.S. Billboard 200. Not country, not just overall Billboard 200. It debuted at number five, but it also peaked there. It never reached anything higher than number five, but it did peak number one on top country albums, which should be no surprise. Despite only releasing two albums, Sam Hunt is one of country's biggest stars. It also earned the third largest streaming week for a country album and is Hunt's second U.S. top album as far as streams go. 
and it was the 10th best-selling country album of 2020, which was a bit surprising because to me, this was one of the biggest albums to be released this year in country music. For it only to be 10th best-selling country album is a little bit confusing to me. Let's talk about how the critics reacted. It's on Metacritic. Everyone knows I love Metacritic. And this album did receive what Metacritic would call generally favorable reviews. Its aggregate score is a 72. For those of you who aren't familiar with Metacritic but might know Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic takes all of the reviews it can find online, gives it an aggregate score. And Southsides was 72, which was a lot higher than I thought it was going to be because it's kind of confusing who this album's for. I think it probably puts off a lot of people in some ways, which we'll get into. But to see it get a 72 was pretty surprising. What do you think about that? It's a very polarizing album. I love it. I know you love it. I can see why people wouldn't like it. And when I hear 72, I think it makes sense, although I disagree. You think it should be higher? I think it should be higher, but it, it doesn't surprise me at all because of the content of this album, which we'll talk about. Okay. Let me go through a couple albums that were rated higher just so we can kind of see how it shook out in 2020. Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple came in with a 98. This was the number one highest rated album of 2020. RTJ4 by Run the Jewels came in at an 89. Folklore by Taylor Swift, 88. Evermore by Taylor Swift, 85. Gaslighter by the Chicks, 82. Reunions, my favorite so far on this list. Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit came in at an 82. Ungodly Hour, Chloe X. Halley came in at an 81. I like that album too. Starting Over by Chris Stapleton, another country record, came in at 81. And then Manic by Halsey, who you got me into, came in at an 80. Do you think this album should be rated higher than any of those? I don't know all of those really well, but I will point out that Folklore by Taylor Swift won Album of the Year at the Grammys, all genres, and that got an 88. So you could almost adjust all of these up 12 if that's the best album of the year at the Grammys. But no, those are all those are all great. Cool. And I'm a huge Run the Jewels fan. I just This is my third favorite Run the Jewels record, which is why I'd probably put Folklore over it as well. Surprisingly as well, that major outlets were ranging from mixed to favorable. All Music, three and a half out of five. Pitchfork, seven and a half out of 10. We talked about Pitchfork's like, what, 2.9 out of 10 rating of Only by the Night by Kings of Leon. They're so inconsistent. I can't believe Pitchfork gave this a seven and a half, honestly. I read through the review and it was confusing how much the person liked it. Rolling Stone gave it a three and a half out of five. So this is like, consensus is, it's good, maybe not great. Awards kind of light on it. Uh, Body Like a Back Road does a ton of work for this album, but it was also released in 2017 as a single. So this album has been out in the culture forever. It won single of the year at the ACMs in 2018. Whenever you talk about country awards, you have to talk about like 20 different award shows. The CMAs, Body Like a Back Road, was nominated for single and song of the year in 2017, didn't win for either. In the Grammys in 2018, it was nominated for Best Country Solo Performance and Best Country Song, didn't win either. But the Teen Choice Awards coming through, Body Like a Back Road in 2017, won Choice Country Song. The kids love it, Jordan. What do you think Damn about right that? Damn right they do. Yeah, I, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the youths have to set us right. A couple of critical quotes here I want to point out. I want to deep dive, if you'll let me here for a second, in Stitchfork's review. So here's a, here's a choice quote. Southside's experiments, and I want to stress experiments because I, I want to talk about that a little bit later, are made with enviable effortlessness. It's a little rough around the edges, not self-consciously provocative. 
Hunt doubled down on his initial mission, making hip-hop and R&B and country sound hip instead of hokey. And it paid off with this collection of songs that are more than anything else fun. I couldn't agree more. That is the, one of the best reviews I've ever heard and most accurate too. And mm-hmm. to come from Pitchfork that is supposed to hate this album. Yeah. This is like, you, I feel like this is everything Pitchfork stands against. Mm-hmm. And for them to have such a really well thought out and good review, I'm yep. impressed. The good thing is the people at Pitchfork understand music really, really well. And yeah. so this, when we talk about legacy and we talk about what this album might end up doing for the future of country music, there's something here that I think the average listener probably wouldn't detect, but Pitchfork yeah. found it, which is really good. Let me talk about kind of an opposite type review. Slant Magazine said, there are worse purveyors of bro country spiced up with hip hop. Here's looking at you, Florida Georgia line. Got to get that ding into Florida Georgia line here. And Hunt has an ear for melody, but his reliance on lyrical cliches and hit you over the head genre fusion make Southside worth little more than a shrug. Now, I agree with part of it. So you and I love country music. I would not necessarily say that Sam Hunt is a better songwriter than Jason Isbell or definitely not Margot Price or even Casey Musgraves, right? There is a lot of generalities here, even though this album is deeply personal. So the first half I could give Slant Magazine, but the second half calling this album quote-unquote, worth little more than a shrug, I completely disagree with. What are your thoughts? So you got the Pitchfork review that was positive, and you've got the Slant magazine that was negative. And Sam Hunt is so polarizing. And whenever I play his music and there's a bunch of people around, there's always people who don't like Sam Hunt. It's just, it is what it is. I love these reviews because they truly capture both sides in the way that people feel about this artist. Yeah, and I'm going to give you one last quote. This one's from a fan. This is a bro country record with nothing in the way of creativity. Random lyrics about girls, tens of different genres mixed and marketed as songs, avoid at all costs. Anyone can have whatever opinion they want about any kind of music. But I think what, the reason I picked this one out is because pretty much everything that this person said, outside of, you know, I actually don't find, although lots of country music is objectifying of women in like general cases, I don't find this one to be particularly the case. He's really only talking about one woman, his now wife, right? right? Spoiler alert. But everything else that they said about the mixing of the genres, to me, that's this album's asset. And I do find it to be fairly creative. Definitely agree. Um, This is not the album you attack for objectifying women. This is not the one that you would pick out of all the country albums. All right. So that's sales. That's critical reception. Will you give us some artist background and some fun facts? Sam Hunt was born Sam Lowry Hunt on December 8th of 1984 in Cedartown, Georgia. He was a football player in high school. He was a Wendy's High School Heisman nominee, so he was really good at football coming out of high school. He went to play quarterback at Middle Tennessee State University, but was a backup in 2003 and 2004. (laughs) Yeah, that's right down the street from where we're recording this podcast right now. He transferred then to UAB, so University of Alabama, Birmingham in 05. He was their starting quarterback in 06 and 07, and he's actually pretty good. So music-wise, after football practice, he started picking up guitar, started writing songs. His roommates heard this. They're like, dude, your songs are really good. They encouraged him to start booking shows at bars and getting out and playing his music. At around that same time, he graduates from college, tries out for the NFL, and it doesn't work out. 
And to his family's surprise, he decides to move to Nashville and pursue music. What you might not know is Sam Hunt was a great writer in Nashville before he became big. He wrote Kenny Chesney's 2012 hit, Come Over, Billy Currington's We Are Tonight. And then one I want to call out is he wrote Cop Car by Keith Urban, which is a true story, by the way. He also then put that on his debut album. So he writes it for Keith Urban. Keith Urban releases it as a single. He then puts it on his own album. I think his version's better. Mm-hmm. If you've heard both, I recommend listening to both. So he was a, an already successful songwriter. He then starts a solo career, signs with MCA in January of 2014. He releases Montevallo. And the first single, Leave the Night On, goes to number one. So he's already off the bat successful, and he's the first male solo artist with four number one hits from a debut album. Pretty big deal. So Southside now comes out in 2020, and Body Like a Back Road was number one on the Billboard Hot Country charts for 24 weeks, and I'm calling that out because it's a record. He cites Usher as his biggest musical influence. I would say that surprised me. It doesn't. We're going to talk about that. I mean, I think Sam Hunt is as much an R&B artist as he is a country artist. Uh, So that is it for me on the background and fun facts. Thank you. I had fun. Jordan, what are some memories you have or what's a personal story you have from time that you've spent with this album? Yeah, so I have worked in the music business off and on for about 20 years and I go to industry events. I'm doing quotes with my air, you know, air quotes with my hands on that one. I'm at an event in 2014 and I am hanging out with this big time music exec. I can't remember his name. You know, Tom Hanks told me never to name drop. So I'm not going to do that today. And I asked him, I said, Hey, who is the next big artist I've never heard of in country music? But the next big thing, he goes, Sam Hunt, no question. I'd never heard of Sam Hunt. I go home, find Sam Hunt on Spotify. He, at this time, it's 2014. He has two to three song EP. His first album isn't out yet. And I love the songs. And I became hooked on Sam Hunt. And I've been a big fan ever since. Next for me is, Greg, you're aware of Spotify Year in Review. I am familiar with the work. Yes, it's uh, big on the internet. You get it in December. It reviews your year in Spotify and what you listen to the most. Well, there is a service called Last FM. I highly recommend it. It is a way that you can look at your listening stats for music, but anytime, every day, basically. So Spotify, you're in review. Imagine that you can look at it every day. And I want to point out here how much I listen to Sam Hunt. <laughs> so I've been using this service Spoiler, for two and a half years. It's a lot. I've been listening to or using Last FM service for two and a half years. In the past two and a half years, Sam Hunt is my number five most played artist. Number one's Post Malone, side note. Southside is my third most streamed album in the past two and a half years, and it's only been out a year. Montevallo is my 10th most streamed. He has two in the top 10 of my top albums. And then Hard to Forget is my second most streamed song. I'm a big Sam Hunt fan. I listen to (laughs) Sam Hunt a lot. And one of the big reasons that is in my personal connection to this album is I spent a lot of time on bodies of water, lakes, rivers, beach, and Sam Hunt country music is just always being played when I'm out with my friends and family. You've got, you know, the Bluetooth speaker and you're playing some songs and having some fun. I play a lot of Sam Hunt. So that explains it. And that's really my connection to this album and Sam Hunt. What is yours, Greg? 
Yeah, so you actually introduced me to this album when it came out. This was less than a month into quarantine, you know, lockdown, whatever you want to call it, the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. I was just sitting in my apartment. You know, I think it was, I remember it being later in the afternoon. You sent me a text and you said, Sam Hunt's album just came out. Like, all right, I love Sam Hunt. I've been waiting for this album forever. Thank you, Jordan, first of all, for sending me the text and thinking of me. But then secondly, I immediately opened up Spotify and hit play on it. I loved the opening immediately. It got to the second song, which is hard to forget, and I hated it. So I'm live, I'm live tweeting, not on Twitter, but just on SMS to Jordan and iMessage, whatever. I'm sending him texts like, oh, I love 2016. That's really interesting. We have some stories about 2016. Oh, I hate hard to forget. I don't understand what he's trying to do. It sounds forced, whatever. So I get to the rest of the album. But then after I got done, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to go off and do my thing. That night, I listened to Hard to Forget probably 20 times. Did I tell uh, you to give it another chance? You knew that I was just wrong. And so <laughs> I, I begrudgingly gave it another chance. It's my most played song of 2020. And then that same day, I get in my truck at my apartment. My girlfriend and I weren't living together at the time. I go pick her up and we get takeout, bring it back to the apartment, or we'd go on a hike, go outside, whatever. From me walking out of my apartment, getting in the truck, driving to her apartment, and parking and picking her up, I could listen to Hard to Forget three times during that time period. And I would listen to it back to back to back the entire trip. Hell yes. And it always ended about the time that she came downstairs and got into the truck. And then she'd say, can you play Hard to Forget? She's not a country music fan. She didn't know who Sam Hunt was. She didn't get the, you know, the references in the song or anything else. And she just loved that song. It was an infectious song for her. So after listening to it for three times in a row, I'd listen to it a fourth time in the row once she got in the car. All right. So let's talk about then some just general impressions about the album. We're not critics. We're not going to give a full-fledged review, but just give me some of the thoughts at the top of your head when it comes to Southside. Obviously, I love this album based on my listening habits and the stats I just walked <laughs> you through. True. I ha- that's my disclaimer. And I've n- I haven't, this is the first episode that I've done this. I'm going to take kind of a negative approach to this one because I feel like this is the Don't only place hater. I can do it. I love the album. I do, but I have a bone to pick with it. Okay. So I'd like to point out this frustration as a fan with Sam Hunt. Montevallo was released in 2014. Yes. Right? So it comes out, you know, you get a couple years with an album and, you know, you're like, hey, I want another album. So 2016 rolls around and you're like, when is the next Sam Hunt album? I've been waiting. When is it coming out? 2017 rolls around. So we're now three years removed from an album, which is unheard of in country music. He releases Drinking Too Much and Body Like a Backroad in 2017. And I'm like, okay, cool. Some new Sam Hunt songs. This is great. He releases Downtown's Dead in 2018. So basically every year we're getting a new song, more or less. He releases Kinfolks in 2019. I'm excited. Okay, there's new Sam Hunt music. But mind you, it's over a three-year period these songs were being released, right? He then releases Southside. He announces the new album. I log on Spotify, first day it's out, and I take a look at the track list, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, there are songs on this album that are three years old, and I'm frustrated. I love the songs, but they're not new. They're not new to me. And so I look at the track listing, and only seven songs are new to me. And that was really frustrating as a fan to wait six years 
you finally get that album you're waiting for, and it has songs that are three years old on it. I love the album, love the songs, but that was frustrating. I wish there were five more songs on this. I would take 10 more, but that is my frustration with Southside, even though I love it. I can, I can see that. I actually think this is the direction that country music is headed. They get so much play out of singles that I think most labels and artists would rather just, number one is they have to stay in public consciousness. And so this most recent, if you go and look at Eric Church's most recent record, I think like 75% of the singles had already been released and not just leading up to the album's release, like over the course of a year. I think this is something that we're going to see more and more of. And so when it happens... I agree. The bad thing is when it happens to an artist who's only released two records in 10 years. Exactly. I, I can see That's why. That's the problem. I can yeah. see why you were disappointed. My sort of impressions here are, you know, I worked at a radio station when I was in college. This was 2004, 2008. And whenever I would meet new people who are at the station, I'd always ask them, obviously, what kind of music are you into? And invariably, most of the people would say something along the lines of, I listen to everything except rap and country. Which is a really weird take to me because I think that rap and country are the two best genres. Obviously, I'm biased because they're my two favorite genres. I think that Sam Hunt only listens to rap and country. <laughs> like, Wouldn't surprise me. Like, and so he's the opposite of the people that I talk to. Probably some R&B thrown in there as well. I think that's what we talk about Southside. In my head, we're talking about the confluence of two genres, not just sound-wise. I don't necessarily think all of this record sounds like a hip-hop record. It doesn't sound like an overtly R&B record necessarily, but it has the vibe of a rap R&B and country album mixed together, which there's a song that you actually also introduced me to called Paradise to Me from Nico Moon. In the beginning of Paradise to Me, which we're going to talk about later on in album comps, he talks about driving down to the lake and he's playing Willie and Ying Yang. And that's not a surprising mix to me as someone who grew up in Tennessee, because that's what we listened to. You could go back to back between an Outkast record and then Garth Brooks. You could go back to back with Ying Yang Twins and Willie Nelson. I think that spirit of the album is infused in this. And so I just wanted to call that particular part out. And it's part of the reason why I really like it. It's not, it's not like Tex-Mex where you're like mixing these two things together, but you still get either or. The album is fusion in a good way. It's like a thoughtful mixture of all of his influences, which yeah, I think is. works really well. It's also not often that mainstream country artists take risks. And I think that Sam Hunt legitimately took a risk on this album. Hard to Forget is a strange song that paid off, but could have not. And to your point, this is a really polarizing record. And I don't know what Nashville thinks about it because I don't I'm not plugged into the sort of Nashville music scene, but I do think that he took some risks and I think most of them paid off. We heard the word experiment in the Pitchfork review. Is this an experiment? Is this the future of country music? I, I hear the word experiment. I don't like that. I think this is deliberate and mm -hmm. I don't think it's contrived at all. I think this I is Sam Hunt. Mm -hmm. It's him. The, the album cover, which we're going to talk about in a minute, that's Sam Hunt. He's just chilling with his dog next to a trash can. <laughs> Sam Hunt bin. is so I like Florida Georgia Line a lot, but mm -hmm. they're they're kind of trying too hard. Maybe yep. I don't. I think Sam Hunt is Sam Hunt, and the music business in Nashville doesn't like that for some reason. Mm -hmm. He's just not as well received as he should be. So I don't think it's an experiment. Not being contrived is really important and why I like this album so much. I think the first time that I heard Hard to Forget, back to my earlier story, it felt contrived. But as I listened to it more and more and more, 
I understood a little bit better what he's trying to do. This is not Jason Aldean. This is not Luke Bryan. This is not like consciously making fun of hip hop, which country artists sometimes do in music. That's not what he's doing. You can tell Sam Hunt loves Usher. He loves, I mean, I think he has to love Drake. That's part of the reason why I love this album. Last thing I'll say is similar to Only by the Night by Kings of Leon that we did in a previous episode. This is an album that I want to listen to in a specific place at a specific time. I want to be in the summer. I want to be on a boat. I want to be at a tailgate. I want to be driving around in my truck with the window open, my arm out of it. This is like very specific music. I don't want to listen to this music in the winter when it's cold and depressing outside. And then the last thing I'll say is I love the hard to forget music video. We don't talk about music videos very often on new records because they're just, frankly, they're not as important as they used to be. But go watch the hard to forget music video. It's really weird. It's really fun. I, and it's I was a about great to say, thing. I don't like it at all. Talk me into why you like it. Number one, there is no consciously country imagery in it, although it's a very country song. Mm -hmm. He's at a motel and there's a, just a bunch of outcasts hanging out in various states of their day. He doesn't explore any of their stories. You just see glimpses of people putting on clown makeup and people hanging out by the pool. And you have just all this weird imagery coming together. It's very colorful. It's very fun. First of all, it has nothing to do with the fucking song. Nothing. So it's just this like movie about a bunch of outcasts and weirdos. And I like to think and how I interpret that is that Sam Hunt's an outcast and a weirdo himself. I don't like a music video if it doesn't match the song. When I watch a music video, I want it to match the lyrics. When it doesn't, it bothers me. Have you seen the Breaking Up Was Easy in the 90s music mm -hmm. video? Mm -hmm. Worst music video I've ever seen in my life. It is completely irrelevant to the song, and it mm -hmm. makes me like the song less. I, I, I try not to watch music videos for this reason because mm -hmm. I, I'm so focused on the lyrics matching the music video that I get distracted. Do you like that one? Yes. <laughs> Actually, I don't. I just wanted to say that. that was a bit. Okay. I also uh, don't like that music video. What were they thinking? It's the I, weirdest. Anyway. I, I, what's interesting to me is we now live in a more saturated video environment than we ever have. Much yeah. more so than the MTV era. And I don't think that artists have figured out, even younger artists who grew up with YouTube and are now growing up with TikTok, have understood what to do with YouTube. Although TikTok being, in my mind, music platform, artists, you know, like what's the guy who did Dick Down in Dallas? Trey Lewis. Yeah, Trey Lewis has famously blown up on TikTok as a country star and others are too. So maybe that's, they just skipped YouTube and they just ported over the MTV music video format to YouTube. I agree with you and I don't, I don't like the one you talked about. Go watch the Breaking Up Was Easy in the 90s music video and ask yourself, how did this get cleared and greenlit? It's <laughs> mind-blowingly bad i'm sorry sam hunt i love you i've been very negative this episode i'm sorry i'll, I'll yeah. try to turn that around <laughs> let's turn that frown upside down <laughs> and move into some album comps i want you to walk me through jordan in your mind what are some similar albums to south side by sam hunt the direction that i took was sam hunt's an r&b artist with country under and some overtones. And so the two artists that came to mind for me were, what if Sam Hunt just dropped the country act and the accent and just was an R&B artist? Who would he be? Khalid has this album called American Teen, has the songs Young, Dumb, and Broke and Location. You've probably heard these songs if you don't recognize the titles. He is very, very similar to Khalid 
And then Bazzi, B-A-Z-Z-I, is another artist. He has a song called I Got You, which is, is a Sam Hunt song, Without the Country. Those two artists are extremely similar to Sam Hunt, and I'd love to see Sam Hunt try just an R&B album. Maybe I wouldn't. I, I say that, but if he did, they'd sound like this. Two more. You mentioned one of these. You mentioned Drake. Nothing Was the Same is my favorite Drake album, and Drake's albums are all very different. So when someone says to me, I don't like Drake, I'm wondering what album they're talking about because they're all very, very different. And Nothing Was the Same is a Sam Hunt hip hop album. And it's, it's, it's a very, it's Drake at his best. Go listen to it. Stony by Post Malone is his first album. Post Malone has way more country influence than you'd think. There's some acoustic based songs on this album, Feeling Whitney and, and Go Flex off of Stony. Those are two on the more hip-hop side that remind me of Sam Hunt. What were your album comps? So I actually like your list a lot better because I only went the country route, but I... People need to know both. That's fair. But what I'm saying is what we'll talk a lot about throughout the last segment on this episode is about how is Sam Hunt a country artist or not? He's both. He's neither. He's all over the place in good ways. But I think the Drake album comp, if you like Drake, you should listen to Sam Hunt and give it a chance because if you're the type of person who doesn't like country music, you will like Sam Hunt. And if you don't, you can at me on Twitter. Mine, though, are all similarly arid country artists. I think Greetings from Jake Owen by Jake Owen is something that you'd probably like. Tangled Up by Thomas Rhett. There is, although I think I like Sam Hunt a lot more than Thomas Rhett, I don't think Thomas Rhett wants to make the kind of music that Thomas Rhett sometimes makes on these albums. And I think Sam Hunt wants to. Unfortunately, it's true. Yeah. So, you know, shots fired. Dustin Lynch's Tullahoma. Dirks Bentley by Dirks Bentley. The self-titled album, I think there's some parallels there. Chris Jansen's Buy Me a Boat, which... The song Buy Me a Boat is one of my favorite country songs of all time. Eric Church's album, Mr. Misunderstood. Mr. Misunderstood is a great album, and I think you would like it. And then Nico Moon, we talked a little bit about Paradise to Me earlier, but the Good Time EP. I'm looking forward to hearing more music from Nico Moon. Let's talk about cover art. I think you and I are both going to have some good things to say here. I assume we both love this, but I'm curious. What do you think about the cover art? One of my favorite country album covers ever. Agreed. Again, I'm waiting six years for this album to come out. It's announced. I pull up Spotify and I see this album cover and I'm immediately like, I'm going to like this album. I know I am. It just by the cover. The mid to late 90s forerunner. Just yep. very cool. And I'm not of our trying friends to be had cool. that exact same car. Yeah, we've had friends who've had that car. It's like our high school days. It's not trying too hard. The dog is just casual. It's not looking at the camera. Mm-hmm. Sam Hunt is casually dressed. I mean, he's dressed like me on a Sunday afternoon if I'm just hanging around the house. I like that they didn't crop out the trash can. I just really, really like that. It's saying, I don't care. There's a trash can in my album cover, which brings me to my next point. An hour before we sat down to do this podcast, I was looking at the cover of Montevallo. There's a garbage can in the background of it. He has garbage cans in both of his album covers and not the little little ones that you have in your office under your desk. They're the, the big ones that you put all of your garbage bags into. Mm-hmm. Weird choice. Can you imagine we interview Sam Hunt and we're like, hey man, why do you have two garbage cans on You've your You've sensed album? a garbage can motif <laughs> throughout your albums. Or maybe it's Dive into that a little bit. No pun yeah. intended. Or maybe it's a MacGuffin <laughs> like in Pulp Fiction when he opens yeah. up the trunk. And it's cool. My last thing I'll say is I wish more album covers were like this. Not Uh trying hard, not a photo shoot. I love it. It's funny you say that. So I'm actually going to start 
my impression with the story that he told about the the album art. I don't know if you've read this. Basically, the entire cover was an accident. They were supposed to shoot the album cover at some point that day. He had clothes in his truck. He had people there who were going to help. And the way he tells the story is he was on the way back home from church and they pulled up to his brother's house, which is the house that he lived in when he first moved to Nashville. And his brother now lives there and he's going to hang out at his brother's house. So he's walking home from church and they were just testing the spot out, like the lighting and is this right or whatever. And someone just happened to take a picture of him holding the dog with just the clothes that he was wearing. And he looked at the picture and he said, that's it. You know, even though we had some other ideas, different sets of clothes, maybe a different way of doing my hair, I knew that this needed to be the album cover, which is a cool story that the, something that's this big and commercially mainstream was ultimately an accident. And it was probably shot on an iPhone, which makes it even cooler. That brings me to one thing I noticed when I zoom in, the small edges of the album cover look like an Instagram filter. Yeah, one of the old ones too. Yeah. From back in the day. Oh yeah. So it kind of has this social media slash memory slash obviously when you have you know exes you're looking at them on instagram and everything else so it kind of has that edge to it i don't know if that was intentional but that comes across but i want to talk about the the album cover in a similar way that you did is you know on twitter you see those parental advisory stickers that people will just put over a picture and they say it's their rap album this is just that in real life it doesn't seem forced it doesn't seem lame again there are country artists who have profited off of rap while making fun of it. I don't feel like Sam Hunt's doing that here at all. In other hands, this album cover could have been like he had a chain on or it could have been a different type of car. But instead, it just seems like a lot of the choices in the songs themselves, fairly authentic. I love the choice of the old truck. I love the old house rather than newer versions of both of those things. Last thing I'll say is looks like Sam Hunt appears to recycle. It really is that it's not a trash can. You and I live in Nashville and we know what recycling bins look like in the metropolitan Davidson area. He's actually standing next to a recycling bin and that's great. It's a good look. I mean, the fact that he recycles, you, he wa- wants to help the environment. I'm here for it, as they say. Jordan, walk us through some of the songs in this album that you put on your playlist on Spotify. Yeah, so I approached this from the angle of what playlist do I already have before we did this podcast episode and what Sam Hunt songs from this album are on that. I have a country playlist called Country Chill, and it's specifically slower country songs that are lower beats per minute, have more of that chill vibe, and 2016 went immediately on that when it was released. I have one called Modern Country. I try to keep it in like a last three to four years window. I've got Downtown's Dead, Hard to Forget, Embody Like a Back Road on that. And then last but not least, I have an On the Lake playlist. And this is, we're heading out to the lake, firing up the pontoon boat. What playlist am I playing? I'm playing On the Lake. Has Downtown's Dead, Hard to Forget, and then Let It Down, which is, yeah, not one of the hits, but it's more fun and upbeat and definitely a song you'd want to listen to on the lake with your friends and family. What did you have, Greg? Yeah, so I always take this a little bit differently. I have Playlist Envy. You can follow Jordan's playlists. He has some ones that are great. I just follow a lot of them, so I end up not creating my own. For the purposes of the podcast, I I invent playlists that I wish I had. I have two for this episode. The first one is, I'm sad and I've probably been drinking a little bit. Okay, a lot bit. 
It's a long title, but that's the title of the. <laughs> it has "Hello Walls" by Willie Nelson, one of my favorite songs of all time. It has "I've Got Dreams to Remember" by Otis Redding. It has "2016" by Sam Hunt off of this album. It would have "He Stopped Loving Her Today" by George Jones. "If Drinking Don't Kill Me, Her Memory Will" by George Jones. This is a sad fucking playlist. "Everybody Hurts" by REM. At this point, I'm now crying alone. When the Party's Over by Billie Eilish. And then to finish it off, I would have Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. If you're playing Unbreak My Heart, yeah, you're, you're bawling. <laughs> that, that song is, is sad. Would you follow that playlist? Oh, absolutely. I love Great. it. All right. Let's get to the second one. Songs about how we were young, comma, once. First one is Good Old Days by Mac Lamore featuring Kesha. Shout out to Kesha in Nashville. When We Were Young by Adele. 19-something by Mark Wills. Glory Days by Bruce Springsteen, Summer of 69 by Ryan, just kidding, Brian Adams. And then, fo- no one's going to get that joke. And then <laughs> Photograph by Ed Sheeran. And then, of course, Young Once from this album, Sam Hunt. What do you think about that playlist? I love it, too. It's great. Cool. I got two in a row. Let's get into best deep tracks. Deep tracks is a term that has to do with when you had to get to the end of an album to hear the songs because you couldn't just skip ahead. In this case, we define it as it can't be one of the singles. Can't be Body Like a Back Road, even though it's a great song. Can't be Downtown's Dead. Can't be Kinfolks. Can't be Hard to Forget. And Can't Be Breaking Up was easy in the 90s. Jordan, what's your best deep track off the album? I really wanted it to be Breaking Up Was Easy in the 90s. It was the last single, like the very last one at the very end of the album cycle, but it was a single. So like I mentioned before, this album has five singles and seven non-singles, which is really rare with albums. There's not a lot to choose from. Uh, I chose Young Once. Really cool crossover song. I want to hear more country like this, and we're going to dive into this at the end of the episode, but... Is country going to go this direction? Is it a fad? Is it not? I personally hope we're going to get more country like this, but I don't know. And Young Once is really, really a great song. What'd you have, Greg? I had Let It Down, which is honestly one of my favorite songs on the album. The words banjo and beats come to mind, which would be the name of the Broadway bar that I'm going to start with Sam Hunt. It's going to be called Banjo and Beats. Uh, and Let It Down is the perfect example sort of of what I think Sam Hunt's trying to do on this album. You have beats and banjo, and it sounds like an R&B song, but it's unmistakably a country song, and it's fun. You would listen to it on the boat in the summer, you said on your playlist. Every time I hear this song, I enjoy it. Opening of its country has steel guitar, steel pedals. Again, these are real instruments on an otherwise electronically beat-oriented song. And it shifts to like being really upbeat in the verse. There's also a fucking mandolin solo hidden in Great this. Great instrument. It's amazing. It also shows off his vocals. I, I don't think most people would say that Sam Hunt has a great voice. I don't think he showcases his voice very frequently. But I think he has a good voice, and this song shows that off. But I do love Let It Down. So let's talk about, in this case, you have to convince someone to listen to this album, your life depends on it, you have one chance, what song do you play for that person? This is my moment. I've been waiting for this. Breaking Up was easy <laughs> in the 90s. I just wanted to, t- I wanted it to be the last category, so I chose it here. I'll never forget the first time I heard this, this song and the opening verse. Again, I'm a huge Sam Hunt fan. I've been waiting six years for an album, and I hit play on this song for the first time, and I hear this bartender looked at me like pony up man we're closing down i paid the tab and i turned around instantly 
instantly I loved the song. I didn't have to hear the rest. I was like, this is this song is exactly what I want from Sam Hunt. It is a perfect evolution of 2014 Sam Hunt into 2020 Sam Hunt. I love the theme and imagery of this song, and it's great songwriting. There were some of those reviews you read earlier, Greg, where they talked about the songwriting wasn't good. It's such a cool song. The, the, the theme of it, what he's talking about, how you know, if you break up in 2021, you break up with someone, they're all over social media. You can scroll and just see a picture or whatever it is. In the 90s, you what, delete their voicemails? <laughs> <laughs> like you delete their voicemails and you'll maybe never see them again. So I just really, really enjoy everything about this song. What was yours? I want to say one thing because I yeah. don't think, I, I'm sure we'll get to some of this later on. Country music fans who would consider themselves to be more of sophisticated tastes, the Jason Isbell fans, the Margaret yeah. Price fans, artists in which I absolutely love. When you hear a song that mentions social media. I think because it sounds so modern, it makes it then sound bad. Like it's lazy or like it's a cash grab or like it's insincere. Like two on the nose, like yeah. mentioning your you know, Instagram feed yeah. and stuff like that. Which I think is unfair because these are real things that people go through. We've talked about, I think the best songwriters are able to take very specific things for themselves and to generalize it just enough that even though I didn't experience that exact same thing, I can ex- I've experienced something similar enough for me to feel a personal connection to the song. This is a song that has, to your point, specific verses, very specific choices in language. And anyone who's ever broken up with someone in the time of social media has gone through having to see pictures of their ex online and felt terrible about it and vice versa, right? They see pictures of you. I think this is a really great song. And I, I think it's a song that probably would never get as much credit as it deserves from a pure songwriting perspective. And most people can relate to this song. Yeah, for sure. He could have gone a different direction and sang some inauthentic country version of this feeling. But Yeah, he, like, she sent me a letter and I had to throw it away. Right. No one fucking <laughs> like, said who would want to hear that shit right. in 2021? So, exactly. So I just think that's part of the reason why I, I feel like outside of Sam Hunt himself, I think people would sleep on this song. Body Like a Back Road is mine. Back to your original question. I just, this song was everywhere and it was immensely popular. And I just think that anyone can like it. So again, if I want my shot at convincing someone to listen to the rest of the album, although Body Like a Back Road isn't my favorite song on the album, I don't know anyone who's ever listened to this and hasn't tapped their toe or nodded their head and understood that this is a, a good pop song. All right, what song on this album? We love the album itself, but sometimes not every song is great. What's a song on this album that that you are most likely to skip when you listen to it? Nothing Lasts Forever is a bottom tier Sam Hunt song. I don't dislike it, but I don't like about it is that it's the only song on the album where I feel like he should just make a decision. Make it a rap and R&B song or don't. I know he's playing with the the combination of the genres and he does it really well. I don't think he quite nailed it on this song. And that's the thing that bothers me about it. Even though I like it, I'd rather it just go one way or the other. As I said earlier, Sinning With You is one of my least favorite country songs of all time. I also don't like drinking too much, very much. But Sinning With You is just hard to listen to. It's just really explicitly religious, but bad boy religious. It kind of reminds me of like, the high school kids who'd go to Young Life and then have sex in their car and smoke weed and drink. Like, it's just like, yeah. it's not super 
I just I don't like the song. I don't like the way it sounds. It's a like disingenuous it. song by a genuine artist. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't love it. Drinking too much also is forgettable for me. But I know you like that song a lot, right? I do, but I can see how people don't like it. It's weird. <laughs> it's but, very. You know how we talked about with some songs that are really personally sexual, like not abstractly sexual. Yeah. This song is almost too personal and cringe-y because he's being so like singing so explicitly about his relationship. It's so personal. Yeah, it's just it's it's almost voyeuristic when you're listening. It's like this does this yeah. doesn't this sh- I should not be listening to this. It should be like a hidden track like we talked about on the Green Day episode. Yeah. That no, like most people never hear. Yeah, yeah. It, it is really diary-esque. All right, let's get into final thoughts. This album came out last year, but what's the legacy for this album? Or maybe what do you project the legacy of this album to be? I'm going to be hyperbolic. Mm. Sam Hunt in general, I think is the most musically innovative country artist of the last decade. And I would be very curious to know how someone would argue with me on that. I'm just talking music, not lyrics, not clothing, branding, just the music itself. I really don't know who number two would be. He's that innovative. And, you know, Greg, you and I, we love the Luke Combs. We love the Miranda Lamberts, but they're not doing what he's doing. They're making great country music, but they're not innovative, really, I would say. And, you know, there's not a lot of latitude to be innovative in country. So you're taking risks, right? You, you don't really have that opportunity like you do in other genres. But he takes risks and they work. You mentioned that earlier. He also uses samples which it isn't done in country music. And I have a question for you, Greg. Sam Hunt samples other songs in his music, which is really rare in country music. I was reading reviews about how people hate the fact that he sampled There Stands the Glass by Webb Pierce in Hard to Forget. So my question for you is, a rap song can sample old music and no one bats an eye. A country artist does it and people lose their minds. Why is that? I have some hypotheses here. So we did Paul's Boutique, which came out in 1989 on an episode, right? And that album forced people to talk about why are they just playing other people's music in this album? Why don't they make their own music? This is weird. It took that long now where sampling is seen as an art form and it's creative and it makes... I don't think anyone would argue that sampling hasn't made hip hop better as a genre. This is the first country song that I know of, at least the only mainstream country song that I know of, that so consciously both played an old song, but then also turned that song into the beat, which I think is what is innovative yeah. about this song. Yeah. Right? A couple of things that I say. Number one is it's, it's genuinely new. I think that probably somewhat shocked people to hear it. I know that when I've played that song for people, they're like, wait, is this Sam Hunt? This sounds like a really old song because they hadn't heard Webb Pierce before. So I think it just might sound weird to people because it's new. I think that if more people decide to do this, and I hope they do, I think it will become less weird. It'll become more accepted. Number two, I think genuinely country music fans, capital C, capital M country music fans, want to hear classic country music. They don't want to hear something that sounds like hip hop. And because of that, then they're like, well, this is not actually country. It's not authentic country. And I don't think it's good. So those would be my two reasons why. What do you think? I agree. And I want to point out something. If you're listening to this this episode right now and you're a country purist and you don't like Sam Hunt, you don't like that he sampled Webb Pierce in Hard to Forget. Think about it this way. 
instead of thinking about it as you shouldn't do that, that's not right. I had never heard of web mm-hmm. pierce in my yep. life. I had never heard there stands the glass. Yep. I hear the song. I go listen to there stands the glass by web mm-hmm. pierce. I now like that song. I now respect web pierce. Mm-hmm. So think of it as new artists introducing the younger generation to old artists. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think if you're a country purist, you should respect that and be like, that's awesome. We should do more of it. Yep. It's another way to look at it. What's, ironic is sometimes you talk to country music fans who might hate this song and the only old country they've listened to is hank willie cash the mount rushmore of country artists but they're not diving deep into like the annals of the grand Ole opry and listening to 40s and 50s country music so i agree with you to that point if this is a way for people to listen to old country music in a way that that they wouldn't otherwise have known about i think it's a win Wrapping it up here for me on this category, I think Casey Musgraves is the most innovative lyrically, and then Sam Hunt is the most innovative musically. And then the legacy for him in this album is this. It's signaling to the rest of country music. You can do this. You can take risks. You can draw outside the lines. It's okay. It's okay to use hip-hop beats in your country music. And I think that's big. And I think we don't know what the legacy of this album is yet. It's a year old, but I think that's what it's going to end up being. And then I want to shout out, you mentioned him earlier, to Nico Moon. I love what he's doing. He's kind of taking what Sam Hunt's doing and even evolving it a little more and taking more risks than a Sam Hunt even would. So listen to Nico Moon if you like Southside. Agreed. Shout out to Nico Moon. Please release more music. Agree it's too early to tell, but a couple of conjectures here. I do think that Hard to Forget as a song on this album is a legitimate new direction in country music. I hope that sticks. To your point, I hope more people try to do this. We've said this before, but in the past, you have country artists who might see rap and its ascent throughout the sort of mid to late 90s and early 2000s when you first start to see country artists self-consciously and very cynically attaching themselves to hip-hop and either using it as a way to make fun of it knowing that their audience and their fans are probably not big hip-hop fans, or using hip-hop and songs to sell records. Like Again, I think every single country artist who has ever used hip-hop in their music, to me, so far, has been disingenuously doing so until Sam Hunt. And I think, like we said before, Sam Hunt played football in the South, and probably similarly to me, only listened to country and rap until they got introduced to other types of music, right? Which I'm glad I did. I think that went into the gumbo of his brain and came out as this music. And to me, I find that to be authentic. This also, as an attitude, is country as fuck because he's rebelling against what people expect of him in the same way that every single generation of country artists have found to do. And he's making music that I assume people that I know who, you know, listen to country music and have similar tastes as me enjoy because they're used to hip hop in a way that previous generations of country music fans weren't. And so I think he is a sincere country artist. I think he's making music for himself that other people happen to like, which is my favorite kind of music. And I don't think he's just using R&B or hip hop to sell records. And that to me, I hope is a legacy. I think the future of music, we'll talk less and less about genres and we'll talk more and more about just what's fucking good. And I think this album is fucking good. I like the perspective. 
Thank you. That's why I said it out loud. So let's talk about who or what. Again, it's early, Jordan, but who or what has this album inspired? It's safe to say we don't know yet, right? So let's talk a little bit about the style that Sam Hunt's doing. And is it going to be a fad or is it going to change the genre? If I had to bet some of my hard-earned money on whether or not this is going to change country music forever or going to be a fad, I'm going to take fad. And it's not because I don't want it to change the genre. It's because I don't think it will change the genre. I think country is too set in its ways. I don't think the next Miranda Lambert album is going to have hip-hop beats on it. I, I just don't. Now, maybe newer artists coming up do, but... I hope it opens the eyes of a lot of country artists and makes them think about that next album they're recording. And it's unfair to call it a fad. Also, I think it's unfair to Sam Hunt. So it's not as much of a fad. I just think it's he's doing his own thing and other artists aren't going to take the risks that he takes. Mm -hmm. So I will almost say the opposite in that. I hope other artists... No, I hope it doesn't become a fad. I hope that a bunch of artists don't try to do this for like the next two years. Yeah. I love Miranda Lambert's music with every fiber of my being. If she started releasing songs true with hip hop on it, it wouldn't be authentic. So my, right. my, my question to myself is, can another artist even really do this? I don't know. They'd have to be new. And so that brings me to my point is I think that Nico Moon, in some way, yeah. we can't prove this without talking to Mr. Moon, but I would assume that Nico Moon is influenced in some way by what Sam Hunt has done here. I love to see artists signal to other artists down the line that whatever you like, make music like that. Don't confine yourself to a single genre. Don't confine yourself to other expectations. Make music that you want to like. And so... I assume that the only types of people who are going to be listening to the Sam Hunt record outside of Body Like a Back Road, which had crossover appeal, are going to be country fans. And I hope those country fans who might like punk or hip hop or any of these other genres that they're growing up listening to will find more and more ways to be authentic because of listening to this album, is my hope. Whether that'll happen or not, it's too early to tell, but I hope that happens. Well... That gets us to the end. And before we say good night and goodbye to the listeners, Jordan, anything you want to bring up here? Yeah. So the best way that you can support us, I'm going to ask you a favor is pull out your mm -hmm. Twitter and Facebook, if you don't mind, Doing it right and now. share with your friends and family that you enjoy the podcast. If you do, of course, let them know um, at mention us on Twitter. Pod sounds good at mention us on Instagram. Sounds good to us. And just say you love the podcast and recommend it to your friends and family. That's really at this point, the greatest thing you can do to help us and support the podcast. Agreed. Thank you. See ya. 